You're tuned in to The Keetra Show and listening to SOB, Style of Business, the podcast with your host, Keetra. We aim to highlight the ongoing trek of entrepreneurs and business owners from around the globe, featuring stories that recount their struggles, experiences, and inevitable road to success and self-fulfillment. Welcome to SOB. This podcast is being brought to you by my inspiring new book titled Courage is a Muscle, Using Heart to Power Your Entrepreneurial Dreams. You can grab your copy today on Amazon. Hey, what's up, y'all? Thanks for checking out another hot episode of SOB Style of Business, the podcast. This is your host, Keetra. And this week on the show, we have joining with us Lorenzo Alexander Chambers, who is the author of his debut novel titled Gypsy Woman. And I'm just starting to dig into this story and really get the gist of it. But it's a wonderful coming of age story about a crew of inner city youth growing up in Brooklyn. So who else to have on the show? Somebody who is actually writing about these different scenarios and bringing something to the table. I think everybody will be interested in hearing. So make sure you guys tune in for this episode. And in the meantime, let me hand it over to Lorenzo. Drop that introduction for us. Give us the goods. Give us a little bit about your background. And we will roll right forward from there. So, hello. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be here. Um, just, you know, I, I'm a writer. That's uh, what I what I love to do. Uh, the artist side of me comes out and, and comes out to play. This is, as you mentioned, my first novel. I've written a couple of other books, uh, nonfiction. Um, my, my work, I earn my, my living through uh, education. I'm a principal of an elementary school in Brooklyn, um, finishing up my uh, 14th year. And so I just, you know, I like to write. I like to inspire. I like to provoke thought. So, yeah. yeah. Love it. That's wonderful. Yeah, and we definitely have to tie in that edu- educational <laughs> aspect of it. I know you guys are uh, also going back and it's, you know, a, a different model from what we're used to. But we definitely want to focus uh, primarily, I guess, on just kind of, kind of talking about your, your writing career because there's some great things that you're sharing within this book and different lessons and stories. So let's start by kind of getting into the the overall storytelling, because this is this is like a I mean, it's a unique story, but I think it kind of applies to like the family dynamics, especially in modern times of what uh, a lot of people or, or a lot of youth uh, end up going through. So just give us a little bit about what inspired you to write Gypsy Woman. Yeah, so um, in the in the introduction, you know, there's a, a little piece that talks about um, you know, I, I tell this tale not so much to tell the tale of, of me, but to tell the tale of us. And the the premise is that you know the main character and his and his crew, it's specific to them, but this story could have been anyone's story, mm-hmm. right? In, yeah. in, in any city. Um, inner city in America or anybody who, you know, it's, it's written from my perspective as a black man, but at the end of the day, anyone who's grown up without positive male role models um, and they're kind of left to fend for themselves on occasion um, are going to, um, you know, have some real uh, grimy moments and, and experiences in their lives that no children should really experience at such a young age. And so it kind of impedes the development. Um, and so, um, I thought it was a unique story from the perspective that a lot of people don't hear this story because oftentimes people who grow up with these experiences, they may feel embarrassed or shamed. Um, and, and sometimes it, it can be it can be crippling. Right. And so the idea was I, I want to tell the story 
um, and, and, and from the perspective of no matter your, your background and your upbringing, you can use it. You have to make a decision to use it as a springboard and not a crutch. Um, and so, you know, towards the end of the story, as, as, it, as it moves, um, the, the character uh, evolves um, to understand that he has a verse to contribute to um, humanity. And we all have a verse to contribute to the poem of humanity. And so that was my inspiration was to, was to kind of share that story. Uh, and I think a lot of people are starting to relate to it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely found it interesting because when when the book opens up, especially with the, the different characters, the different young men, I, I should say, uh, and I believe there's five, like when you start kind of going through the different profiles and backgrounds, one of the things I found interesting was that everybody had a just completely different family dynamic. You know, they were all good friends, but everybody kind of had their own little uh, plot going within the, the family. And I think that most times we kind of, a lot of people are, you know, we, we definitely experience this, like, you know, as far as like the male role models, like you can look right now, just like you said, even right now you can look and a lot of people don't want to talk about that, but what do you feel like, what type of pressures do you feel come from, you know, growing up without a, a male role model because it's become so, such of a norm that, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm trying to explain it in a way to where you can really get the question. So I guess what I'm asking, right. you, you, do you understand? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think um, so. That so there are a lot of there, there are a lot of levels to this book, right? In, in the sense that um, it's really addressing um, what's been termed lately as um, toxic masculinity, right? So where where does that come from? And what do we do about it? How do we make shifts from that? And as you mentioned, it's interesting that because um, you would think five boys growing up, you know, kind of engaging in some of the similar behaviors, they had similar backgrounds and, and they did. But there were there were a lot of nuances yeah. that are different. So some of the characters, their mother and fathers are in the house. Right. So it's not just, you know, the, the main character grows up in a household with just his mom. Um, and so how does his mom take on the role of the male and the female figure? Um, and then some of the guys who grew up in households that their fathers and, and, and mothers and fathers were were intact. Why did they make the decisions that they made? Um, and so it's not necessarily being physically present. Um, it's about what's the impact and what's the influence. So if your dad is in your house, but they're not really interacting with you, what does that mean? Um, and, if, and subsequently, if you grow up in a household that doesn't have a male role model, but you're able to, to play some athletics and have some coaches yeah. and other people in your lives, what does that mean? And also the history uh, kind of going back to, um, you know, part of the book talks about slavery and the, the effects of slavery. And, and is some of that toxic masculinity um, imprinted on our, in our DNA? Um, how do you, and how do you fight through that? Exactly. Like that's that's one of the things that I I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that has kind of been become more of a, a, a norm. Like that's it's kind of like it's almost expected that uh, a young black male should do X, Y and Z, you know, oh, j- just because the the male father figure, whoever was not in the house. So it's kind of, right. you know, it's I don't know. I don't know. I think this is one of those yeah. conversations where, you know, you just got to. I don't know. It, right. it, it's so, weird. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's an uncomfortable conversation, right? In the sense of 
you gotta, you know, and and I don't, I, I don't know if I can curse. Can I curse? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah, so, you so, have at it. So part, part, part of the idea is, hey, hey, we have to own our shit at at one point, at some point, right? And yeah. part of owning your shit is not using it as an excuse or a crutch to justify your behavior. It is to to meet that behavior at its place of origin, understand why, and then we have to make some shifts. And that's the idea of the main character, uh, Maximus. He grows to understand, you know, this is, I've come, I've had some hardships at an early age, but I also had some good life, right? And so, you know, the book reflects on, on some of the good experiences and then you kind of balance it out, but also you have to get to the back to the idea of what are, what's our purpose for being here, right, on earth? So no matter where you came from, you got to say, and especially as you grow, grow into manhood, you have to say, no, I can use these experiences again as a springboard to find my contribution, whether it's in whatever field of human endeavor you, you, you choose to make. And so at the end of the day, the book moves from really being grimy to hopefully a place of, of hopefulness. Exactly. And I almost get the feeling like, especially with Maximus, that his whole family foundation, you know, especially I think it kind of mentioned his grandmother and uh, I think maybe just kind of setting those expectations. So if you have somebody that is setting a certain uh, set of expectations for you at an early age, I think that kind of helps to guide you as well versus, you know, you just kind of out there in the hood and, you know, hey, do this and do that and go to school. And the parent is not really there. And like some of these kids, you know, you when the mother is working two, three jobs and there's like two to three kids, that, you know, you got to get to school, you got to, you know, little brothers and sisters and things like that. That is that's difficult for right. a young teen to try to handle. So it's almost like you have to make sure that you are taking care of the self-image at home, you know, making sure you're meeting the requirements of being the man if you don't have the the male role model or the dad in the home. And then also you got to if you're on the streets, you know, when you're hanging out. With your boys, you got to look a certain way because there's a there's a turn where they start kind of talking about women and, you know, meeting the young girls, especially uh, with this being a coming of age story. I knew that that would be a part of it, but it's, it's kind of like two different sides of the coin. You know what I right, mean? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, it, and, it's, and it's the idea. So if you if you grow up in, in an environment where, um, you know, the men, you know, refer to women in a derogatory way. I, I I know that there's a sense of inti- inside, intuitively, you know it ain't right. right. You know what yeah. I mean? And so at some point, yeah, the social pressures might lead you to kind of engage in that behavior. But at some point, you have to make a decision. And, and again, you have to own your your, your peace in it and, responsive, and become responsible enough to say, you know what? I know better. I'm going to do better. Right. That's that's what we have to be able to hold ourselves accountable. And it's not an excuse. Right. We have to stop with the excuses. Like, I understand you had some bad times. I get it. But, you know, you've had some good times. But at the end of the day, what do you want to do about it? Right. That is. Yeah, that's that's the question. You know, what will you do about it? And it's like, you know, what happens when you never ask yourself the question? Right, right. And so there's a, later in the book, as, as some of the main characters have grown from, you know, childhood to manhood, there's, there, there's a scene where two of the uh, Maximus and, and one of the other guys, they sit down and, they, and they're saying, you know, you know, we, we grew up in some dysfunctional shit. Like right, yeah. that, it, it was dysfunctional. Like, that's what, let's name it. And that's the uncomfortability, uh, uncomfortability 
about the book that that excites me because I tell people if you if you can get past the first few pages you know and get into it and get yeah. settle into being uncomfortable you're going to realize that this is really because it was the writing of the book was cathartic for me um to kind of go through this to revisit some of those experiences and the decisions and and that being able to sit down as as men and say listen that the things that we experience they were dysfunctional and exactly. now realizing that let's let's do something better and be better and be different yeah yeah, it, I, I was wondering about your whole writing process in this because it, I mean, like I said, when you when you read it, you know, guys, if you, if you need to grab the book, like if you read Gypsy Woman, it just kind of takes you into a realistic setting of being there, and you kind of see uh, Kahari and Darwin and the kid, like you you see these guys talking, like this is this could be somebody that you grew up with, it could be anybody, and one of the right. things I was wondering is like, okay, when you sat down to write this, like that, it, it sounds like a <laughs> something that you just kind of grew up and experienced but like did you have any did you have any uh times during your writing process that you were just like man I, I may I don't want to put this like this is too much like did you ever feel like it was too much to put in because it was just so uh out of the box or just kind of right you thought it yeah. wasn't cool or, or something <laughs> no listen that that is that is that is a fundamental question that a lot of people ask and and so I I say that it, it took me about three years to write the book, right? Um, and it took that long for a couple of reasons. One is, you know, the science and the art of writing the book. So the artists, you know, we write when we feel like it, right? And that's when you get the writer's block and then you don't feel like writing and, you know, months can go by. Um, but then the, the science part of, the, of being a writer is having the discipline to sit down and write even when you don't feel like it. So, the last year, things kind of sped up because I became more disciplined and I was committed to writing, you know, a thousand words a day. Oh, wow. um, and that's the discipline piece. But the, the feeling piece, another reason why it took so long is because I would write certain themes and I would literally have to get up and, and move away because emotionally I was so invested and it took me back to the scene. And so, and that's the being uncomfortable with, wow, some of these things really happened. Some of them, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, I expounded upon, but at the end of the day, it's, it, it was rough. Yeah. 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 No, I can, I'm telling you when it, when I was turning them pages, I was like, oh, wow. You know, it's, you know, you almost wondered like, is this, uh, did he hold back any, or is this, was this all of it, you know? So it's, yeah. it's definitely good to, to kind of hear that. Um, I want to kind of get into, I know you got some other works and things like that that you're working on, but have you, um, what type of impact do you think just kind of bringing, you know, stories like these, things that we would, I don't even, that not even taboo, it's just things that we just kind of expect. So what do you think would, would be, I guess, good ways to kind of bring these conversations to the uh, to the forefront? Because you have like, you know, child abuse, you have uh, domestic violence against women, you have all these things yep. that are more focused, which, which, are, which are fine. I mean, those are definitely some, uh, you, you got to be on top of that as well. But like, as far as men, because you guys, y'all, sometimes things are just not considered cool to talk about. Right. But what, yeah, what, so, yeah. So I know it's interesting you say that because I'm waiting, I'm waiting for some men to, to read the book and say, hey man, you know, you really kind of revealed some, some man stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but it, it has to get out there and be out there. So the, the target audience is, 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 is men, right? Um, boy, young boys, I would say high school age, um, and older. 
um, just because it's, it's pretty graphic. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, if you if you if you grew up in an inner city, Chicago, Boston, New York, L.A., Houston, wherever, I think you need to have you need to look at these books. I think men need to talk to men. Um, I think women do a great job, um, whether it's in book club or just when they're together, just just really sharing you know intimate stories and feelings. And so I'm hoping that uh, men are going to read this book and say, hey, yeah, as men, we need to kind of, um, you know, get together and have these conversations and, and again, own, own our part of this, but also understand that it doesn't, it doesn't have to define us. Yeah. Um, and that it's just some things that happen to us and we responded. But then secondarily, I think anyone else outside of, you know, young boys and men who are interested in this, like if you wanted to, if you're, a, if you're a, a black woman or a white woman or anyone who's trying to understand toxic masculinity and where it might come from, how to get through it. And you want to be the flyer on the wall. I think once they read that, um, I think people need to start talking about it. So, yeah. 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 No, you're, you're definitely right. And I, I definitely think that there's a difference between male, uh, the toxic behaviors, black versus, you know, white males. Like there's a whole different thing, a lot of different things involved when it comes to the culture. So, you know, it, it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had. And another thing I wanted to to mention, um, I wanted to ask you something about the how do you feel? How do you feel about beliefs? Because one of the things that I know you just mentioned earlier was like, OK, this is something that you have to ask yourself, you know, hey, I know it's not right, but you know, you can take steps to change. So you need to, you, that's something that you have to pull within yourself. Nobody can make you change anything about what you believe or what you think. But like, as far as beliefs, because if, if you, if you've been doing something for so long, like say for these guys, they started, uh, what middle school or stuff like that. And just kind of becoming adults and, and young men and growing beyond it. So when they get older, like, you know how difficult it is, difficult it is when you have a certain belief that you've had for so long and then all of a sudden you realize, OK, there's a some some changes that need to be made. Do you ever think that like it's ever too late? Like at what point is it a are you a lost cause? <laughs> if I could say something like yeah. that, you know, how no. can how can we how can we change some of these self-limiting beliefs and some of these beliefs that have been embedded in us? Because that's what we've been taught for so long. It's hard to undo. Yeah, yeah that's that's heavy. Um I think that it's never a lost cause. I think people bloom, you know, at their own time when they're supposed to. Um, and so you could be, you know, well into your fifties before you're making these changes. I mean, hopefully it doesn't take that long, but if, like you said, if, if the toxic masculinity or certain beliefs or lack of love or lack of getting hugs and encouragement, if that starts, you know, at, at seven, eight, nine years old, um, and it's continuing till, you know, my mid twenties. So if it took 10 or 15 years to build up the calluses of, of that, then it would only be fair to think that it might take 10 or 15 years to undo that. So, um, but I think it, it, it's never a lost cause. Um, but I think people have to be honest with themselves. You know, like people back in the day, they would say, you know, you got to go in the woodshed. And, 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 and take a look at who you are. Um, I've spent many years alone um, and not, I think people don't, people aren't alone enough to get to know who they are and they don't want to look at themselves in the mirror to mm. own their stuff. Um, and, and being alone is different than being lonely. 
Um, so I, I say that the road, the road back to redemption of finding who you are, it has to start with some real self-reflection and honesty to say, yeah, that that didn't work for me. And you know, people, the people that say that, they, what they say now is they say, well, how's that working for you? Right. So the, the the person, whoever it is, man, woman, whoever your situation, growing up with these self-defeating beliefs. Every now and then, I think you have to turn around and ask yourself, how's that working for you? And if it's not working for you, you, you have to make some, some decisions to, to do something different or else you're going to continue to get the same result. So. Right. Love that. Yep. Now, that's definitely perfect advice and news we can all use. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. And, and the book talks about the, the book, the, you know, you'll see Maximus have, have these life changing moments where so now it becomes well to kind of like back to your question what what is the catalyst or what exactly. what, what makes the, what makes you change well if you see you know your friend get get shot down mm-hmm. right or you see your father slap your mother you need to make some decisions right but, you know so those are those those come to come to Jesus moments right <laughs> yeah I tell you what I mean I the thing is is I guess one of the, the things that I always wonder is like it's it's all to me it's unfortunate that sometimes for a lot of us you know myself included it takes for us to kind of hit the bottom you know in order to kind of see right to see yep. our way forward you know to see see to see up and just the fact like he went through all of these you know dramatic experience I, I, I couldn't even imagine but I, I just think that like it would be it's always better if you are not having to experience like just a lot of dramatic situations, tragedy um, in order to to change your life. Because we see that like, say, for instance, when when there's a death in the family, you know, now all right. of a sudden everybody is trying to repent and get their lives <laughs> together right. you know, at the funeral service. But it's like. Why, why are we, why do you think we are, and I know this might be a little bit off of what we're talking about, but why do you think we always have to kind of go through these life-changing situations in order to gain some type of clarity? And even when we do gain that clarity, sometimes it's just for a couple of months. Like, it's like, okay, you know, it's like, how do we get in right. the stick? What, do you, what are your thoughts on all that? That's, 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 that's the key question. I think, um, I think if you, for me, discipline is, one of the character traits. So we, I think we have to figure out what are the skill sets, what are the character traits that people who have successful lives or peaceful lives or happy lives or good relationships, what are some of the skill sets that they have, right? Um, and so for me, I think discipline is the number one skill set in terms of, and I define discipline as being able to do what you have to do even when you don't feel like doing it, right? Mm-hmm. So again, back to that question of how's it working for you, right? And if it's not working for you, it becomes about what, what do you have the will and the discipline to do it, and then then do you, do you have the ability? Do you have the self reflection? Do you have you know what? And and probably as as equally as important as, as discipline, um, because that's like some individual traits. I think you have to have a supportive. Um, a support network network around you, right? Yeah. I think you have to have that person in your life that says, "Nah, man, that was a bad decision," or you shouldn't like hold me hold me accountable to my actions. And I think that a lot of times we have yes people around us mm. who aren't going, you know, they're they're going to co-sign the negativity. Um, I think you need to surround yourself with people who are who are not going to co-sign um, because that's real love. So yeah, I think that's key. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just sometimes you end up having to get uh, change your environment. So that's great stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about a, a couple of things before we wrap. I definitely want to get inside of your writing process. Uh, there's possibly some uh, aspiring writers just trying to get a feel for like, tell us a little bit about your, your process and how you work. Like what, what's your ideal writing situation? Do you have to have coffee or, you know, give us a little bit of the fun stuff that really inspires you to sit down and knock out those 1000 words. <laughs> Listen, since, since your, your last name is Chambers like mine, we, and we need to do some, some research to see if there's any connection there. Right. Um, yeah. I'm going to be as transparent as possible. So my ideal writing, you know, you know, go back like some to the old style writers, you know, if you talk about Hemingway and some of the, the other guys, Baldwin, um, like I, if ideal, in my ideal life, I would be like living on the Island somewhere, just lounging, you know, having a glass of wine and, and just writing. And so even in, in New York, in my, in my apartment, um, I try to be as relaxed as possible. So um, I like writing um, when I, when I'm hit with inspiration. So a lot of times early in the morning, I write late at night, I write, um, in the middle of the night, I, you know, I might go into my phone and take notes, like verbal notes, so I remember what it is. But I try to be as relaxed as possible um, and and live in the moment yeah. and get lost in the writing. That the best part is when I'm writing and I've gotten so lost in it that I've lost track of time. And, you know, I've just write. And so I, I, I tell people, because everyone, you know, the proverbial, everybody has a book inside of them. And, mm, and I, yeah. I believe that. Um, I, I just think that people need to sit down and write and not worry about, um, obviously, you know, the, the editing um, and the revisions, right? So there's the process is just get your ideas down on paper. So when I do, when I write, I just try to write as much as I can. And then eventually, you know, you have to go back. So now you have your draft. Now you have to revise in terms of, you know, should that go here? Should that go there? And then the editing process. But that's why you also, I think writers, I have a professional editor, right? Because I think if you want to be a professional about the work, you have to have professionals around you. So wow. um, I love I love to write. Um, I don't write, uh, you know, sometimes I might not write for a month or two, but then sometimes I'm just, I just, I'm feverish about it. So. Yeah. yeah, that's great. I mean, you give your, yourself some space and room. For the great right. creativity. Yeah, people need to be kind to themselves because, again, I know some people write and then, you know, they stop writing for a minute. It's okay, but, you know, come back to it. Um, write about what you know. Write about what, what you're passionate about. Um, I think because that, that will keep you going as well. And hopefully have people, again, around you who hold you accountable. So I have people around me who say, like, my, one of my, my boys, he's like, dude, when are you going to write your next book? Like, you need to write another book. Like, so that's nice. That's encouraging. Yeah, definitely that type of situation. Yeah, those are the ideal people that you definitely need to have. Uh And all right. So before we get ready to close, Lorenzo, drop us a couple of words of encouragement, you know, for anybody who is looking to launch out on their next venture, write the next book or write the first book or just any dream that they they may have dream a goal. A couple of words of encouragement. Yeah. So I I think. you know, when I when I think about encouraging people, I think about what's been encouraging to me. And I think two powerful ideas um, that uh, compel me to, to live my authentic life. One is um, having a sense of purpose of why you are here on Earth. Right. Um, everyone has a purpose. I think finding what that is in the context of 
contributing to the well-being of humanity, right? And so if, if what you're doing is advancing humanity in some positive way in your community, um, it, that's part of your purpose and your being. Um, and then I think in, in having a sense of purpose, the idea is understanding that you have a verse to contribute to the poem of life in your community. So having a sense of self um, is the key to this and truly believing that being able to persevere through adversity is going to be a quality that will sustain you and understand that it's an adventure and it's a journey um, and it's not necessarily a destination. And I say, I say, live your life. Live your life. Yeah, that, that's important. Live your life. You know, your, yeah. your, your yeah. own life. Yeah. Perfect. Exactly. Lorenzo, let us know where can we grab the book? We definitely need to know where we can grab the book and also uh, be sure to mention where we can find you online and social handles as well. Awesome. So uh, if you go on the website, it's gypsywomannovel.com. All one word, gypsywomannovel.com is the website. You can get the book uh, on the website. Um, we also have we also have some T-shirts and hats on the website. I think that would be awesome. Um, otherwise, you can go on Amazon and uh, you can Google uh, or, or through Amazon. You can get the book at um, Gypsy Woman, um, Lorenzo Alexander Chambers. Oh, wow. All right. Merch. OK, that's that's good. My eyes got buck at that. <laughs> I, I like uh, new T-shirts and hats. All right. That's perfect. Lorenzo. Yeah. Well, hey, we gotta we gonna have you back because I know that there's more. I know you have some nonfiction works and there's some other things. And plus, with you being in the educational uh, system, I mean, maybe there's some some different topics that we can we can discuss there as well with with the changes and, and things like that. Oh my gosh, I'm just kind of all over the place. It's kind of early, so I need to get that <laughs> caffeine or something going. But nevertheless, That's right. Lorenzo, definitely thankful to have you on the show. We appreciate your time and wish you best of luck. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. Thanks for hanging out with us here on SOB. We hope this episode has been resourceful. If you'd like to check out the latest articles or follow Keetra's website updates, just log on to Keetra.com or follow her on Twitter at K-E-E-T-R-I-A.